Chapter 1 Research Vessel Moreau, Northern Pacific Ocean The RV Moreau was a Thomas G. Thompson-class research vessel that had originally been built for use by the U.S. Navy. In the last six years, she had been bought by the company for use as an offshore research vessel as part of its wider activities. At nearly a hundred meters, she was a substantial vessel and currently carried a crew, research staff, and security detachment of 64 people. She was equipped with two rigid hull inflatable rescue-slash-work boats on board, as well as a single submersible and retrofitted helipad. Built into the hull were ROV and submersible hangars, a fully equipped machine shop, and a custom-built medical lab and clinic. Deep inside the vessel, a team of scientists were busy studying the details of a new subject on their computer terminals. The computer monitors showed a detailed schematic of an ocean liner. The first screen showed a side-on view that displayed the ship's profile, whilst the screens either side showed figures on estimated size, displacement, and course information. Another monitor gave a heavily magnified live feed of the vessel in the currently calm waters of the northern Pacific Ocean. Daniels, one of the technicians, ran through various databases to check the configuration against all known vessels. Yeah, here she is he said as he popped up the ship's details on another screen. Clarkson, another technician, sat in his rotating chair as he read the specification out to the annoyance of some of the other staff in the room. She's a Cunard Line Ocean Liner, the RMS Mauritania II. She's nearly 400 meters long and has a combined crew and passenger capacity of just under 5,000 people. According to the last information available, she was on a world cruise 13 months ago, two months after Z-Day. There is information from the Coast Guard that she was spotted off Hawaii. Nothing since, said Clarkson. Dr. Garcia entered the room and moved straight up to the main screen. The Mauritania? Interesting, she said quietly to herself. She hit a few keys, bringing up detailed schematics of parts of the ship before turning to the two technicians. I wonder what she's doing out here. Is there any information on her from the rest of the flotilla? She asked. Clarkson shrugged and then turned back to the display. Daniels, however, had already connected to the flotilla. Nothing from them, either. I have them checking the satellite data they downloaded last week. Maybe they'll find something there, he answered. Have you picked up any communication or signal from her yet? She continued, speaking directly to Daniels, who seemed the more competent of the two. Daniels double-checked his system before turning around. No, nothing. No sign of communication, power, or movement. She's dead in the water. Hold on. Look at this, said Clarkson. What do you have? replied an intrigued Dr. Garcia. Well, if we zoom in here, it looks like there are burn marks and damage in these places. They look like the observation decks near the dining areas. On the screen to his right, the schematics popped up, showing the crew and passenger areas of the massive liner. 
Clarkson certainly seemed to be correct, as the external damage appeared to be related to the most used and populated parts of the ship. Also, look here, he said as he pressed the mouse button. The three-dimensional model rotated around to show the upper decks of the ship. There should have been banks of boats lined up, but instead, at least half of the boats were missing. 